Okay. So turn with me tonight to the last chapter in Genesis. And what we're going to do is basically an, just an introduction. And before we start to get into the, the meat of the word itself. Remember a few months ago we closed out Genesis chapter 50. We completed Genesis. In verses 22 through 26, remember Moses writes the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. And if we get that far this evening, we'll see some of the New Testament references to that. Uh, and so he is recording the death here of Joseph. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household. And Joseph, Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation the children of Mashir and the son of Manasseh were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you, bring you out of the land to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. So look at the first chapter of the book of Exodus. So it's been a while, and they've not left Egypt. That's the problem. Now these are the names of the children of Israel who came to Egypt. Each man in his household came with Jacob, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All those who were descendants of Jacob were 70 persons, for Joseph was in Egypt already. And Joseph died, all of his brothers and all that generation but the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly, multiplied and grew exceedingly mighty, and the land was filled with them. And there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. So Moses, and this is a period of about, we find later on, it's about 400 years. And Moses picks up the, the, uh, <clears throat> the verbiage talking about referencing back to Joseph himself. And Joseph is obviously a key individual uh, in the book of Genesis, and he's mentioned a number of times throughout the book of Exodus. And we'll find that, uh, obviously, as we go through portions of the Old Testament. So when we look at Exodus, and it's a long book, not as long as Genesis, 50 chapters, but there are 40 uh, chapters in the book of Exodus. And in Genesis you have a number of the original covenants that God made with people. The Edenic covenant that he made with uh, Adam and Eve. And then as we move forward the uh, Noahic covenant that he made with Noah. And then eventually we arrive at Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant. Now all these continue to be iterated, or really the, the Abrahamic covenant, the covenant that was made with Abraham and then uh, reinstituted with uh, uh, Isaac and Jacob, are 
the covenants that we leave the book of Genesis with and we begin the book of Exodus with. That's the reason that you have the list of the sons of Jacob, the sons of Israel in these beginning verses. But things are going to change. And the, I was going to say the most important, all the covenants are important, but certainly a significant covenant the Mosaic Covenant, which we just read a portion of in uh, our uh, understanding or our responsive reading this evening, is instituted. And that covenant, the ramifications of that covenant, Mosaic Covenant, still exists today. Uh, Abrahamic Covenant, obviously, those uh, that can continue. But this is the giving of the law, and the law became, um, it, be, it became a stumbling block for the Hebrew people. It is still a stumbling block, block to many people that claim to be believers. Now, it's important because it reflects the morality and the character of God. And what we learn from that as we get into it is we can't live it. Uh, even these 10, we can't live it. And there are 618 of them throughout the end of the book of Exodus into the book of Leviticus, and they reiterated again the book of Numbers and certainly in Deuteronomy. So for the remainder of the time tonight, we're going to just cover the, uh, the introduction. Now, the... We have a, a number of different bullet points here, and the book is fairly easy to follow if you look at the divisions of the book. If you don't, then since it's written in narrative form, uh, you can become easily confused. So keep that in your mind if you would. So we began reading in these first few verses here in chapter 1, and this carries through to the end of chapter now, we know that Moses is born, end of chapter 1, and it carries forth into chapter 2. And look, if you would, um, at uh, verse 25 of chapter uh, 2, and it says, And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. This is the cry that comes up. So we'll use the, the, uh, the covenant God name for Exodus, uh, or for God, rather, found in Exodus all the way through this study. And his name, obviously, the covenant God, is Yahweh, and we'll find that in chapter 3. So Yahweh remembers his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. One of the great things about God is once he makes a covenant, God will not forget it. We might, but he is not. So all of the events that take place and what takes place in the first uh, couple of chapters here is uh, a span of about 40 years, could be as much as 80, because by the time we get to chapter 3, Moses is long gone from Egypt. And now he's tending sheep on the backside of the desert, doing a very Christian thing. I'm running from God and trying to hide, and that's what he did. So in chapter 3 and verse 1, it says, He was tending the flock of Jethro, his father, the priest of Midian. And then this particular passage goes to about the end of chapter 4. Now, this is one of the pivotal elements of the book of Exodus. This is 
Yahweh appearing before Moses. Now heretofore, even though God appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he certainly didn't appear to them the way he did to Moses. So we began to see this morning we talked about the, the gradual revelation that the Spirit of God brought to the prophets. Well, here we see one of those. So this is uh, pivotal in the understanding of the book of uh, Exodus. So Yahweh chooses. It's not Moses, again. It's not Abraham that chooses God. God chose Moses and calls his deliverer. Look, if you would, at chapter 4 and verse 31. So the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. And worship becomes another theme in the book of Exodus. It's mentioned again uh, quite often in the book of Deuteronomy. So in a very short period of time, I say short by at least the limit of the chapters, only about four chapters, We've gone from uh, the death of Joseph to the selection of Moses and, of course, everything that happens there with Moses between Moses and Yahweh. Begin in chapter 5, it says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went, and told, went in and told Pharaoh. And this uh, is interesting as well. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the in the wilderness, and Pharaoh says, who is the Lord, why should I obey him? And uh, Pharaoh's not the only person who's ever said that. I would imagine that billions of people have said that. So this particular passage begins here, or this section rather, and carries all the way through uh, to chapter 15. Yahweh redeems his chosen people. This it encapsulates all of the... Um, plagues, uh, all of the uh, standing of uh, Moses before the people. So go with me to chapter 15. They have left Egypt, or they're headed out of Egypt, rather, okay, left Memphis, which we believe was at that time the capital city. Then they came to Elam. Verse 27, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. And so they camped there uh, by the waters. All right. So this, it also includes uh, not only the plagues, uh, it also includes the Passover, and it also includes the Red Sea crossing. Now that's important. The Red Sea, and the mentioning of the Red Sea crossing is the greatest um, miracle in the Old Testament. It's reiterated again several times in the New Testament. So obviously the resurrection of Christ is the greatest miracle to date, heretofore, of, uh, that God has performed. But the Red Sea crossing time and time again, you read the Psalms, about every other Psalm, David, uh, uh, one of the other writers of the of the Psalms would say, and you remember how God delivered you and redeemed you by crossing the Red Sea. So 
We'll spend some time when we look at the Red Sea because there are those that say it was a reed. So all, all manner of just, just like the resurrection, all manner of disbelief as to what took place. Now, Yahweh confirms his promise in the first couple of chapters there, 5 and 6. Yahweh confirms his promise with plagues. He confirms his promise with the Passover. And he confirms his promise with uh, his power, the deliverance of his people as they make their way out of Egypt. So that period of time, now we're talking about 80 years with Moses and a few, maybe a year, 81 years, not a long time, Uh, not in biblical terms anyway. So in chapter 16 and verse 1, it says, And they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is interesting. Um, that's not a pun, by the way. That's just what that area was called, which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. Now things begin to change now. The people, are, people have been delivered, and the people are hungry, and so they start to complain. And, and that complaining runs all the way through the book of Deuteronomy. One of the, good, one of the great things that, one of the things that people are good at is complaining. And it's not unique to Americans. We see it all the way through the Old Testament. We see it occasionally in the New Testament. So God confirms his promise that he made basically with Abraham, Isaac, and Joseph, uh, and Jacob rather, uh, during this period of time. And he directs his chosen people, he's directing them to Sinai. Look at chapter 18. <clears throat> the, uh, Moses does a very noble thing. He selects 70 men to help him after his father-in-law told him, you, you, you know, you may be a prince in Egypt, but you've lost all your your marbles. You need somebody to help you, and you can't do this all your all by yourself. Um, so, verse twenty-four. Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. He chose able men out of all of Israel, made them heads over the people, the rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. And so they judged the people at all times. The hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Moses let his father-in-law depart, and he went his way to his own land. Jethro goes back to Midian. Verse 1, chapter 19, the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt. Ninety days. Now, they started complaining long before the 90 days was there. It's too hot. It's too cold. The food's not good. The food's too warm. food's too, too cold, and just on and on and on. And you've got about, it's estimated, a million to a million and a half could have been as many as two million people. So, and they're complaining all the time. So they came to the wilderness of Sinai. And this, again, is the beginning of where God establishes his new covenant, or the covenant we know as the Mosaic covenant, the giving of the law. And that runs through chapter 20. We just read a portion of it. <coughs> and look, if you would, runs down through verse 17 of chapter 20. 
These are the Ten Commandments. They are not all the commandments. They are, if you want to think of it this way, these are the Bill of Rights. These are the first ten amendments, if you, if you want to think of it that way. In fact, the U.S. Constitution was, was modeled, a good portion of it was modeled after the uh, giving of the law here. This is the Decalogue, the, the ten, we would refer to them as primary com commandments. And remember now, Jesus said the two commandments, there are two commandments that are greater than these. You to um, love your neighbor as yourself, and you'd have no other gods be for me. All these I've done, the rich young ruler said. So these are the ones that are carried forth here. Beginning in verse 18 of chapter 20, there is um, a long passage, fairly long. These are long chapters from verse 18 through of chapter um, 20. Now all the people witnessed the thunderings, the, light, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. And they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but don't let God speak to us. We're going to die. And whether they realized it or not, that was, uh, that was a true statement. The only person that was permitted to speak with God was Moses. And that later on they get upset about that. Why should you be the only one to speak with God? So Moses had certainly had his hands full and God knew exactly what he was doing when he selected him. Let's go to chapter 24. <clears throat> Chapter 24, after much instruction that has been given by Yahweh to Moses through Aaron or to, from Moses to Aaron, okay? <clears throat> um, verse 33 of chapter, well, look at uh, 33 of uh, chapter 23. Then they shall not dwell in your land lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods... It will surely be a snare to you. And God's not known for his understatements, but certainly that was an indication of what perhaps may have happened. Verse 1 of chapter 24 begins, And he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, who were the sons of Aaron, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and worship from afar. And Moses alone came, uh, shall come, near the Lord, but they shall not come near, nor shall the people go up with them. So there's a reiteration here of the covenant that God had made with Abraham, and, and then also he reminds the people that all the words that God has spoken, Moses reminds the people all the words that God has spoken in verse, five, in verse 3, you're going to do them, you shall do them. Uh, and they said, they all answered, yep, we're going to do it. We love the Lord. He's delivered us. At least we love him today. Or at least we love him for the next few minutes or whatever. So he instructs his people in the Mosaic Covenant. And that ends, uh, verse 16, Moses goes up on the mountain, Mount Sinai. 
uh, verse 17, the sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up to the mount, into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Who does that remind you of? Who else was in, on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights? In the wilderness. Jesus. So this is significant in that as God confirms this new covenant with Moses, this is the first recording, if you please, of God's intent. Now it's found, Moses obviously has written all this. We think Moses wrote the first five books uh, while he was waiting basically to die, to enter the promised land during the wilderness time. Uh, so Moses has this time and he's writing, he's recalling the Holy Spirit's giving him all of this, but he remembers this. Obviously, every, if this happened to you and I, we would remember this as well. So God has given his word and the mountain reflects the sovereignty and omnipotence of God in giving his word. All right, so the last portion is the longest portion, longest section, if you would, in the book of Exodus, and it begins in chapter 25. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And then he goes through, and there's lots of, lots of detail here. You probably have heard it said, God is in the details, or you may have heard the devil is in the details, but certainly God is in the detail, and there is no stone left unturned in God's design for his worship. The people don't get to choose how they worship God. God says, this is the way I want them to worship. This is the way I want the tabernacle to be laid out. This is the way I want the coverings for the tabernacle. This is the way I want the clothing for the priest. This is the way I want the choirs to sing. This is the way I want, when I want the word read. This is the way I want to communicate to you. I want these threads to be woven into all of the curtains and draperies that are there. He, he spares no expense, if you please, in designing how he wants to be worshipped. And this carries all the way through the remainder of the book, carries into the New Testament. This is the way, the prophet said, walk in it. And so we see that. It talks about the tabernacle, how the tabernacle is to be laid out. There was a specific purpose for each of the 12 tribes. The tabernacle set in the middle of this million, million and a half people, and the tribes were aligned around the outside of the tabernacle in a certain order. And Judah was at the very opening of the tabernacle. That's why Jesus said, I am the door. I'm the way in to worship my father. He goes through the, um, the furniture in the tabernacle, the furniture in the Holy of Holies, 
uh, all of the, again, the, the clothing, the, uh, <clears throat> the breastplate and so forth of the, of the high priest and how that's to be used, the design of the altar of incense, uh, all of the offerings and how they're to be taken and giving. Uh, he talks about the, the tithes and then you begin, you, you beget, uh, or you get, come to chapter 32 and you have the story of the golden calf. Moses has deserted us, which kind of, <laughs> you know, why, why would God bring them out of Egypt, bring them to this, this place, Mount Sinai, I give them the law, and then they, uh, Mo Moses is dead. What are we going to do? And so you have the story of the golden calf. Law's there. Yeah, we're going to do it. Moses is gone for 40 days and 40 nights, and they get all uh, afraid, or scared, if you please. Um, <coughs> Moses brings down the, the tablets. We know what happens. He breaks them. And uh, God's angry. And he has a right to be angry. So we see that in chapter 32. Uh, the covenant again, God, Moses makes new tablets in chapter 34. The covenant is renewed again with the people and they say the same thing. We're, we're going to obey the word of God. And of course, only briefly do they do that. Uh, again, they build the tabernacle. The artisans are selected. They make the ark of the testimony or rather the ark of the covenant um, in chapter 37. All of the, uh, again, all of the accoutrement that goes into the understanding of that. And we come to chapter 40. The very last thing that takes place in the book of Exodus is the <clears throat> erection of the tabernacle and the arrangement of the material, of the furniture and the, the uh, instruments and so forth that he used in worship. They're not to be admitted. They were to be made of certain materials. And uh, you remember, we'll find out here, that uh, God told Moses to tell the Hebrew people to become uh, gain favor with the Egyptians so that the, the Egyptians would give them something. What was it they were to give them? You remember? Jewelry. They're going to give you gold. They're going to give you silver. They're going to give you brass. They're going to give you jewels. And you take them. You're a poor people. And when we get here to the design of the tabernacle and all, everything that goes into it, you're going to give them to me. Now we find out later on in the book of Numbers that doesn't, some people keep, keep back some of that and that doesn't go well for them either. But in chapter 40, we have all of this that comes together. Verse 16 says, Thus Moses did according to all that the Lord had commanded him. So he did. came to pass in the first month of the second year, or the first day of the month, that the tabernacle was raised up. Two years. Okay? So by this time, 83 years probably. That's been covered, three, 83, 84 years. So we're looking at uh, a period of time much, much shorter than what occurred in Genesis. 
uh, from thousands of years down to about um, 80-some, 80 80-odd 80 years. The book closes, verse 34 of chapter 40. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God was pleased. When this happens, that means God's pleased. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. This is, remember the Shekinah glory. We'll find out about that also in the book. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was above the tabernacle by day, and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. So <clears throat> a remarkable book in the way that it's uh, laid out. Moses, of course, was a highly educated and highly intelligent individual, and he used his skill sets and craft as guided by the Spirit of God to put all of this down. So we're going to stop there this evening. Uh, there's some more to the introduction. We'll talk about that uh, in a couple of weeks. Any comments or questions this evening? <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. <clears throat> As we were reminded this morning of our need to turn to the Old Testament, we are excited, Father. We're looking forward to taking a journey through these 40 chapters. And so we pray that you would open our hearts and make us receptive to the word. May we hear it. May we apply it. May we not be like the children of Israel. May we trust you and all that you have given to Moses to write so many, many years ago that is still relevant to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.